Welcome to episode 35 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. This week's episode, Enough is Enough, is the part two conclusion of Worley and Danina's discussion on suffering well in today's world. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. So, what are we to do? How are we to live? And so, in this last part for us here is we, we want to just give several points to live by. So if we're living in this time of birth pains and it's ultimately going to lead to Jesus setting up and making all things right, Mm -hmm. the new heaven, the new earth, how do we live during this time? And some of us um, may not live to see the Lord return. We just continue on. Mm -hmm. How do we live? What are we supposed to do? And it's like I said, when it's hit that point in labor where— it feels like you can't catch your breath. And um, I mean, when you're giving birth to a baby, you can't just check out. And I had um, an epidural with Taylor. And at the end, it it was pretty rough for me because I had it later. And so I wasn't able to feel those contractions that were telling me it was time to push, which I needed to be able to feel those. And so in order... Um, you know, to push and get Taylor here. And I think you're going to share a story about that later. But it's it, it's easy when we say, well, how do we live? It's easy to just want to check out. Um, and that, I mean, that's part of us doing this podcast. Yeah. You know, because every day I think I fight the battle. You know, am I, because I know I'm not sufficient for these things. Mm-hmm. I'm not sufficient for what today holds. Mm-hmm. I, it'd be easier to check out. And it's actually the opposite and again, a good analogy because you can't check out. Yeah, so, it actually got very dangerous. So just several points to live by. They're, these are just kind of here and there, but I think are important that we want to draw from this. In living in this time period of the birth pains and the groaning. So first one, God created us during this time to accomplish his works. Let me repeat that. God created created us during this time to accomplish his works. We are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Jesus in his high priestly prayer, right before he went to the cross said about, uh, in his prayer to the Father, he said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus accomplished his work, in turn has saved us to accomplish good works. Mm -hmm. And so if you're alive and you're born, you're born in the time period God intended you to be born in. Mm -hmm. And you're born in this very intense time period. Mm -hmm. And you live here for a reason and purpose. I like what Tolkien said in The Lord of the Rings um, when he was talking about, uh, and against fear and grief that causes us to not want to continue or not want to live in the day that we're living. And it was an interchange between Frodo and Gandalf. So if, you, if you're if not a big fan of the Lord of the Rings, you may not see the 
picture of it, but Frodo um, says to Gandalf, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. It's very difficult journey and so forth that Frodo was on. He says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And then Gandalf says, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it means that, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting closer to the end of my life. And I realize I've only got a certain amount of time and, and I'm more tired than I used to be. But I worry for my kids and I worry for the generation that's coming up that's actually going to carry us into these difficult times. But. This encourages me. The fact of the matter is you were born for this time. You were made for this time. God has given you works to carry out during this time. And And he's prepared those works beforehand for each individual person that's unique. Like, I need to be living out what works he's prepared beforehand for me that's going to be very different from, you know, you or Michael, our podcast producer, or I mean, we can't do what he does not, <laughs> at not all. That's close. why we have him. Right. So, you know, it's that part where if I'm not walking in those works that God's prepared beforehand for me, even, um, that's that's going to impact. So you're many so, so we're caught up in this divine drama at this point in time. It permeates time. It started before us. It's going to continue on as long as God keeps things going, and it's his story. Um, but that that encourages me, created a, the works for us and us to live in this time. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about as you're listening to this, how much of your time do you spend living in the future and, you know, thinking about the future? I mean, maybe you're thinking about prophecy and— even what we've talked about in times or even what's to come spiritually, or maybe you're spending a lot of time in the future worrying and fretting about the worst case scenarios, or maybe you're spending a lot of your time and your energy just living in the past and what was good about the past and, um, you know, just remembering, you know, in a sense— or wishing. Yeah, you know, wishing things were, things were, like that were back then. like the past. I mean, what we're talking about right now is how do we live in the present? And one of the things that um, Jim Elliott said, uh, and I'll share a little bit more about him in a minute, but he said, wherever you are, be all there. I mean, all there. I mean, we, we really have to practice what does this look like to live in the present. And enduring suffering is going to require that we groan um, and like we've talked about, but that we not lose sight of, and that we don't lose sight of the glory to come. I mean, we're, we're living with that in the present and we're thinking about the future. And in fact, in a classic story, um, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Christian's on his way to heaven and he's walking with his friend and his friend asks him, when do you find yourself in the most vigorous spiritual state, Christian? And he responds, when I think about the place to which I'm going. So knowing where we're going is critical, but it also is important that we not be like Oliver Wendell Holmes said, where he said, some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. 
And I, I think about the fact that his son took that to mind because he served for 30 years as an associate justice of the Supreme Court for the United States between 1902 and 1932. I mean, he was living, you know, his life there in the present. Um, Jim Elliott also said, let not our longing for heaven slay our appetite mm. of our living. That's good. No, don't let our longing for heaven slay the appetite of our living. I can't just escape longing for heaven. I have to stay engaged in the living. And Jim Elliott said, I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Jesus Christ, or you, Lord Jesus. And we know that was true. His life was very short and very full, and he's influenced the kingdom, you know, well beyond um, his life. Yeah, if you don't know that story through Gates of Splendor, you should read it. Google it, read it, read the Cliff Notes version if you don't have time to read the whole book. Mm -hmm. There's a movie about it, but um, in a remarkable life, he among some others. And he wrote that, you know, in college. I seek not a long life, but a full one. Like you, Lord Jesus. And um, anyway, I, I just think we pray often together and separately, but we ask God, how do we be good stewards with our time and with our talents and with our treasure? And, it, you know, just with the the works you prepared beforehand for us, Father, how do we use those in this season of life so that we might even now bring your glory, God, to earth as we're waiting for our future glory? Um, our groaning is what allows us to grieve and then keep living and then prepare us for glory. So another point to live by uh, is, and say it this way, is that, you know, this message of birth pains is a message of hope and not doom and gloom. This message of groaning is a message of hope and not doom and gloom. And it's because God predicted this. So let me let me read John 16, um, beginning about verse 21 and following. Jesus is saying, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you. Have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That that's the message of Romans eight. Mm-hmm. That is the message for the believer of birth pains. Groan now. One day we'll see and be with Jesus face to face. One day all of this will be right. One day all of this will make sense. And somebody might say, "Well, I." I want it now. I want it to happen now. Well, the groaning and the the laboring contains within it a joy in itself because of the spirit within us because we're about we're, we're in step with what God's doing. But it's still and we're going to make this point in a minute. We're still not home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is a message of hope. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be afraid. This is not a message of doom and gloom. So to carry on with what are we to do now, I mean, one of the main things that I personally find comfort in is from Hebrews 12, um, 1 through 3, when I'm saying, how do I live now? Um, And will you go ahead and read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3? 
Yeah, and, and in this, we're just saying keep running the race. And, and so Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I don't know about you all, but uh, I mean, for us, we've had plenty of moments we felt like we were losing heart oh, yeah. in the last few years. Oh, yeah. And, um, and you know, different times through life. But uh, I, I think right now, when I, you know, think about, well, what's what's something that I would say for me that I've really focused on and I would encourage other people with is to keep running your race. I mean, you you run in your lane, you do the works that God's prepared beforehand for you. You ask God to show you what that would be right now. And, um, and as you do that and focus on Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I think first we remember those who have gone before us. I, I mean, Romans 12 follows or I mean, Hebrews 12 follows um, Hebrews 11, which is full of examples of men and women who endured suffering, who, you know, lived their life in a faithful manner enough to be recorded in Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 12 says, you know, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are these people who've gone before you. And so, read their stories. God's Word is full of stories that we can learn from and I mean, the time I, I, I spend, I've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament the last few years just, you know, reading some of their stories, and I'm so strengthened to endure and to, you know, be faithful and sometimes to just be very challenged. So, you know, borrow borrow the stories, read the stories of faith of people in Scripture, um, share with others in your life um, that you're struggling. Uh, I mean, there are people that have possibly gone through the same kind of loss as you or are groaning over the same, you know, sorrowful things as you. And, you know, talk to them. Don't be alone. Borrow their faith um, when yours is weak. And last month we talked about the importance of choosing one or two people to risk being vulnerable with rather than isolate and internalize or go the other direction, kind of power up with distraction and self-determination. So remember those who have gone before you. Um, lean into them, borrow their faith. Secondly— You know, can I make a quick comment about that, I think, in remembering? And that's just those that go before us. So we have the biblical examples, but who are the people in your life who are older, maybe near the end of their life? Ask them about what it was like to live through certain events and certain times and certain difficulties. Ask them about their faith, or maybe you've been told from— you know, I can think of things that my father went through and he's no longer here. And so now it's just calling up those memories of things that he said. Mm-hmm. I think we lose a lot when we're not in tune with what people before us have, have gone through and things that have happened to them. Mm-hmm. That's why our history is important. And even though our history in America is being challenged because of things that were done and the way things were handled, they were still experiences that God was aware of, he allowed, and they have things for us to learn about people, things good and things that are bad, but but 
we we remember those things. That's part of what he's saying to us here, but especially, you know, people who, you know, are believers. Mm-hmm. So I encourage, you know, myself, encourage you to remember those who've gone before you. Secondly, this passage says, resist a life that's weighed down by sin. It says, throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles you, that slows you down in your race. Um, I, I just think life is hard enough, so why do we add to our suffering by causing more suffering through sinning? But often, we want that quick relief. We want, you know, we, we're selfish, we're proud, we want what we want when we want it. And, and so suffering has a way to bring out the sin in me. Has the, it, I mean, it's, it's what's going to bring out the temptation, definitely, to sin. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to you know, fall into sin. But many people are already suffering, and then how they respond to their suffering um, you know, actually adds more of a burden and more suffering. So resist a life that's weighed down by sin, that's slowing you down from running your race. Third, uh, resolve to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your race. And I mentioned before um, Jim Elliott, and I've been reading um, Shadow of the Almighty by Elizabeth Elliott, in which she's reading comments that actually came from Jim's journal entries. And he was an American missionary who was one of five people killed while he was attempting to evangelize um, the people in Ecuador. But he And he's well known for saying he is— no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I like that. I mean, he's very most known for that. But the story I want to share with you is I, as I have you think about Hebrews 12, where it says, how do you run this race? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Um, so resolve to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of, of our faith. Um really ties into what uh, Elizabeth shares in this one story. And she's she's basically uh, talking about how Jim Elliott would give birthday greetings to his siblings in his book. And um, he, she just comments how his birthday greetings were not like anybody else's that you ever got. And when his sister Jane turned 15, this is what Jim wrote her. Fix your eyes on the rising morning star. Don't be disappointed at anything or over-elated either. Live every day as if the Son of Man were at the door and gear your thinking to the fleeting moment just how it can be redeemed. Walk as if the next step would carry you across the threshold of heaven. Pray, the saint who advances on his knees never retreats. And I, I just... I love that as you're thinking about fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's part of how we keep running. It's part of how we keep living in the present. And then that comment, pray, the saint who advances on his knees never retreats. So I basically said here from this passage that we're um, to remember those who have gone before us. We're to resist a life that's weighed down by sin. We're We're to resolve 
um, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, and we're to replicate, lastly here, the example of Jesus. And this passage reminds us that Jesus suffered also. Um, it says that he suffered. How'd he, how'd he do this? He suffered and endured the cross. He scorned shame and endured hostility from sinners by focusing on the joy set before him. He suffered in this manner is an example for us that we will not grow weary and lose heart in our own suffering. And in the same way, we keep using this analogy as pregnancy is endured with the hope of an adorable, you know, new little life to come, so is the life of the Christian. Um, as these birth pangs get more painful and closer together, God is very near and he is preparing us for the hope of glory. And I, I just, I remember all too well that there hits a point in pregnancy where I just became so large and so miserable that I didn't even care what I had to go through. All I wanted was that pregnancy to be over and that baby to be born. And that's the reason women have more than one child is we forget when we get that little child. But also in pregnancy, you just get so miserable. You're ready to go through what you've got you've to go through. And I just think the current sufferings we're in right now um, are making us all more and more, um, it, it's outweighing the fear, like in pregnancy, the fear of the pain of delivery was focused on the end result. I think the suffering we're in right now, I hear more people than I've ever heard in all of our years of counseling saying how much they long for heaven, how ready they are. You know, they're not holding on to this life so much because this life isn't, um, you know, feeling quite so good as it has. And, you know, other cultures, it's been like this for a long time. But in our Western culture, we've been very blessed. And isn't and, and so it's it's God moving us towards what He's doing. Mm-hmm. It's He doesn't intend for the world to become the people of the world who who are opposed to Him to to reshape or do something different with his creation. He's the one in control of what he's doing. And so we should be reaching this more and more. It's what what he wants. Mm. So another point for us to keep in mind here is just to live with an eternal perspective. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, just want to read this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. And that's in comparison now because it's not light and it doesn't feel momentary. But this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. That's what it's compared to. Momentary to eternal, light to glory, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Hmm. And I love a story that um, really goes with this eternal perspective um, you know, thought here just about suffering, reminding us that we're, you know, not at home yet and that there are these things that are unseen to come. But Paul Tripp writes that he's he's 
I am persuaded that the whole purpose of camping is to make a person long for home. After sleeping in a plastic bag on a wet ground and not bathing for three days, I eagerly anticipate a soft mattress, a house powered by electricity, and a hot shower. Similarly, the more time you spend in a broken world, the more you should begin to anticipate eternity. That's a really funny story mm-hmm. he, he tells, and it's expanded beyond this. He mm-hmm. talks about the first few days of camp being exciting and everything's new and you're outdoors. It's fun to set it all up and yeah. And and, and the food tastes good that first time and then over time. There's it, a smell in the tent or the camper that you can't get rid of. And, and the and, rains come and the tent falls down and, and you're you realize it smells and, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I and I happen to be somebody that grew up camping, and I like camping, but I, I can agree with that. I like camping for so many days. Well, and anybody does. Eventually, yeah. you reach a point, yeah. and so you long for home. You long for what you've been made for. James reminds us of these things in James 4, 13, where he says to those who would say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this and that place in town, and we'll spend a year there, and we'll trade to make a profit. And then James exhorts by saying, you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and that kind of boasting is evil. And then he goes on to say, whoever knows the right thing to do but fails to do it, for him it's sin. It's an eternal perspective that we're called to live with. Mm -hmm. Um, And then James also, later in that same chapter, equates it and tells us how to do this. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it and until receives the early and late rains. And what does a farmer do? He plants the crop. He tends the crop. And all the time he's praying and he's waiting for the rains to come that's going to... um, Nourish crop. Nourish the crop. Mm-hmm. So that's living with eternal perspective. Another one is to stay awake. And we go to the end of of Mark 13 to, to give us this. So after Jesus talks about these days that we're living in, and he talks about birth pangs. You want let, me to read it? Yeah, read it. Mark okay. 13, 32 to 37. Okay. But concerning that day <laughs> or that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Yeah, so <clears throat> so he ends this whole message, Jesus, that is given by saying, stay awake. Says it there four or five times. And so I have a question for you. In the middle of the contraction, are you able to sleep? In the beginning, you can sleep in between them. Well, what about the but early contraction? But you can't sleep during a contraction. And then... As and by get, the end, you're not going to sleep even in between them. Because they come closer together. Right. So the the application for us here being is that we are having these things happen around us because 
in part because of in God's purpose in suffering is that we're more alert to what's going on around us, the danger, the uncertainty, the difficulty. It forces us to stay awake. We should stay awake. And to not stay awake in with all that's going on around us, I mean, we need to be looking to the Lord and to what, what, what's happening. What, what do well, we— Well, he, he's just allowing there to be little time to, you know, check out. I mean, people may try, but I mean, life's going to hit them or their loved ones. Something's going to be going on in their life or somebody else or in the world, and it's it's you know. because you know there's not a lot of time in the in the giving of the the birth of the baby. You know, as the contraction increase in its intense, you know the time is near. It's about to happen. There's not a lot of time. <clears throat> I have a story here by William Barclay, and it's in and it speaks of Satan's work and how he wants to deceive people. And it's a fable, um, but the is told of three apprentices of the devils who were coming to the earth to finish their apprenticeship. And they were talking to Satan, the chief of the devils, about their plans to tempt and to ruin men. And the first one said, I will tell them that there is no God. Satan said, that will, that will not delude many, for they know that there is a God. The second said, I will tell all men there is no hell. And Satan answered, you will deceive no one that way. Men know even now that there is a hell for sin. The third said, I will tell men there is no hurry. Go, said Satan, and you will ruin men by the thousands. Most dangerous of all delusions is that there is plenty of time. And this is why we're saying that's so good to be engaged with asking God, what is God asking of you right now? Um, how do you live in this time? I mean, it's what, what we're doing. And, um, and we say that as an encouragement. Yes, you see this as okay, you know we're we're in the middle of this, and time is of the essence. And so, and it's what I was saying. You don't just want to stay at home thinking about heaven and longing for heaven, or you don't want to just be living in the past of well, this is the works I used to do back here, or this is how I, you know, serve God back here. It's I mean, we want to be living in the present. We like, were born into this time for this, yes, and we have the good works that were created for us. Yeah. So the last point to consider is in, in all this is to be influenced by the Bible more than you're influenced by the headlines. The Bible is prophetic to us in that it wants us to see the times that we live in according to what God says. As we live in the midst of birth pangs and have been for the past 2,000 years, they can't help but get closer and more intense because that's what birth pains do. And there's a quote by Jeffrey Bilbro who wrote a book, very helpful book, called Reading the Times. Uh, and he says there, the difficult task of the prophet is to call God's people to respond to the news of their day by the light of God's eternal word. word. To respond to the news of the day with the eternal word of God, instead of letting the news inform our understanding of Scripture, let our understanding of Scripture inform the news. And then you have a, you had a pastor friend who shared 
some words with you the other day um, that were by Pastor Dave Willis. And um, it, it said, be careful. He said, be careful with too much news. We're the first generation in all of human history who has 24-7 access to the world's problems at our fingertips. Technology has outpaced the human capacity to handle the information. That's just such a powerful line. Technology has outpaced the human capacity to handle the information. We weren't meant to process all the world's chaos, and when we try, it only creates stress, anxiety, and frustration. Have an idea of what's happening in the world and in your specific community, but also have peace in knowing that you can't solve the world's problems. Do what you can do to love your family, serve your community, and make a positive impact where you can, but sleep in peace knowing the rest is in God's hands. Like that. Mm. You know, so just practically, maybe if, maybe you turn off the news for a day or two and and go back to it in several days if you just need to take a, a mental break from it. And part of the way you know is how much anxiety you're living yeah. with and how much time you're consumed with it and trying to fix it or solve it or just check out on everyday life that you should be living and loving your wife or your husband or your kids or doing your job, doing your job faithfully or serving, you know, in your church or your community. I mean, e- evaluate the impact that that's having on you and the time that it's consuming. Because it's like I said earlier, we've been praying, God, help us be good stewards of our time, of our talents, and our treasure. And um, Remember, I want to close with this, when you were giving birth to Taylor, and it was a long labor. You'd been in labor for 12 hours. And you were exhausted at the end. You had been given an epidural, um, and I think it was hard for you to feel mm-hmm. at that point. But you were you were exhausted, and I was there right by your side and anticipating. Holding my hand slightly. No, this time I, I had learned. <laughs> no, that was hours earlier where I got in trouble for not, not holding learned. your hand well. But at this point, I was there. I was mm-hmm. strong. I was with you mm-hmm. and anticipating and a little bit anxious about the, the baby was coming anytime. And Dr. Harrell, your doctor then, said to you, Danina, you really need to bear down. You mm-hmm. really need to, 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 to focus here and push. I really need you to. And I can see her saying Very strongly, yeah. Very strongly. <laughs> and I can see her and I can feel it, kind of the, you know, the anxiety with it. And I looking at you and you were exhausted and you're just spent, and you were mustering what you you could mm-hmm. uh, to feel so that you could push. And it just strikes me is at the end of the very intense labor was the time to bear down the most. Not give up. Not give up. That the reward at the end of the labor was better than anything that we could have hoped for. Mm -hmm. And that little life that then came and has given so much joy and life to us, um, still 27 Mm -hmm. years later, that you you, you had to bear down. Mm -hmm. 
So we encourage you, don't lose heart in your groaning. Um, Keep your eyes fixed on the glory to come, but bear down. Suffer well, bear down. Live the life that God has for you to live at this season and the time that he has allowed you to be born and um, be born into the world that you live in. So we encourage you to listen to this again. Pass it on to friends if, if you'd like to. We'll be back next month with another topic, and we just thank you for listening. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.